Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. I'm your host, Jay Gannon. Before we get started, I want to remind you that we're putting on our first ever virtual conference called Tech Mission. Tech Mission is a two-day conference with the first day being focused on automotive and the second day on diesel. Join us on October 7th and 8th as we take time to listen to techs and brainstorm on how to make their lives better. Today's kind of an exciting show for us because it's the first time that I'm having two guests on at the same time. I'm pretty excited about it and trying to uh, really showcase a couple of really talented individuals. Joining us today are Deacon Bonick and Shannon Withington, and they come to us from Toyota of North America. We're gonna dive into shop culture and employee engagement, something that they're both very, very good at, and I'm excited to learn more about their backgrounds and how shops can improve their daily lives of technicians. Uh, welcome to both of you, how are you? Hi, Jay, thanks for having us. I'm doing really good. That's that's great. That's great. This is uh, the first time with two guests, so you guys will have to uh, you'll have to forgive me for my uh, lack of ability to manage two guests. <laughs> Shannon, let's let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into the automotive business. Yeah. So I my name is Shannon Withington. I am a district service and parts manager in the Toyota Chicago region. I was you know, a business school marketing background. Um, I was recruited out of college at a career fair. Um, I saw the big shiny Toyota logo and I just walked right up to it and they started talking about um, just, the, they said they were the liaison between corporate and the dealerships. And those words meant nothing to me. <laughs> but um, quickly, I, I just learned more about what, the, what Toyota did, what they stood for, and the importance of, you know, the people that work there. And that's what kind of drew me to them. So I've been in the industry for three years All right. and just learning more every day. That's perfect. And, and the interesting part is you've got kind of a tag team here with Deacon, right? And Deacon, tell us a little bit about you. Okay, so my background is not as uh, direct as Shannon was. Um, I went to a technical school, and after a techn technical school, I entered the workforce as a mechanic. And uh, for almost almost 20 years, I was wrenching on cars. And at one point, I thought there's got to be just a little bit something more out there. And uh, one of my field technical specialists that I currently work with mentioned that maybe I should be looking for a job with Toyota. And I applied for the job, and lo and behold, here I am. That's pretty cool. And uh, Shannon tells me that you you're kind of like Superman, right? Like if when somebody can't fix something, you're you're kind of coming in and you're you're helping people out a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> thank you, Shannon. Um, that's it, not quite that glamorous. One of the great aspects about the job is being able to come in with a fresh set of eyes and talk with the technician and. And most of the time, it's just helped redirect where we need to go to get the car fixed. So pretty much what it sums it up. Well, and I think the cool part about your story, Deacon, is, is you sharing about how you were a tech and then there, there was another opportunity that came as a result of you being a tech. And that's something we talk a lot about on this show and a lot of the content that we put out that getting that core background of skill and knowledge and that you know the diagnostic ability the mechanical ability can lead to so much more is that kind of what you saw in, in your career yes 
It, it, it is uh, having great diagnostic foundation is core to doing the job period. Um, yeah, that's, that's really helped me get to where I'm at is just being able to stand back, assess the situation and uh, come at it from a different angle sometimes. That's, that's great. Uh, Shannon, talk to me about what did you learn about being the liaison between the manufacturer and the dealer? Well, I, I learned what a liaison was first and <laughs> foremost, but um, mainly uh, my role is to take kind of the, the big picture vision set by our headquarters um, of Toyota North America down in Plano, Texas, um, and then analyze kind of my market. So I cover 11 stores in the Southern Wisconsin, Southern Minnesota area and kind of taking that bigger picture message and direction and think, okay, what is the best way for my dealers to implement this um, on a smaller scale in their markets that would best serve, you know, their employees and their customers. So it's a lot of just kind of processing it. It's important to know my market as well, um, which is kind of why we have the regional offices at all is to make sure it's kind of, it's not just a cookie cutter one one size fits all message coming from Toyota it's really customized to each of our markets well i love the personalized aspect of that too right where you get to know your dealers and you 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 really have that relationship with them and you're you're vested in their business right you want them to do better and and being able to see a bunch of different dealerships i think you're able to take different aspects from maybe one dealership over to another dealership and and you know just have those best practices you see dealerships that do one thing really really well maybe another that struggles with it and you're able to kind of uh, bridge the gap there no yeah especially coming from like i said just a marketing background i did not have automotive experience of coming into the job so by like you said by seeing all these different dealerships i'm able to learn kind of best practices from each i think it makes me a better rep and i can better help them out by just having more exposure to different dealerships and i work with a team of 10 other district service and parts managers that have their own districts and we share you know best practices from their districts with each other so that we're able to just be stronger i think together for for all of our dealers yeah, and one thing that really stuck out to me when when you and I were speaking offline, Shannon, was the relationship that you and Deacon have, and how close you are, and how how you use that relationship to really benefit the, the dealerships in your network. How walk me through how how does that relationship work, right? Like, how does that work? Deacon's more of the technical side; you're more of the the business side, I'd assume. How how does that really lay out? Yeah, so I think I approach things from kind of the policy perspective, um, making sure we're always just following policy and procedure and things like that. And then Deacon is definitely the technical side. And, and I think we both need each other. Um, and I, I continuously learn things from Deacon, I think, way too, way too often. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the dynamic there. And, and Deacon, talk to me a little bit about uh, your relationship with Shannon and, and kind of how you guys work your territory. So a lot, a lot of times is we got to go in and the FTS will go in and have to figure out how to, how to get that car fixed. And then obviously we have to figure out how to get it paid at the end of the day. And Shannon helps us uh, stick to the policies, what we can and can't do, all in, all in the effort of getting it fixed right the first time. Uh, that's that pretty much sums it up right there. We work hand in hand a lot. She throws a lot of things at me that she sees that people approach with uh, approach her about, and I throw things back at her, saying, "Hey, this is what I'm seeing. Are you, you know, is other dealerships seeing this also? What you know, what are you seeing?" 
And uh, it's a great working relationship because that way we can get things reported in a timely fashion and uh, we can track trends that are going on throughout our district. Well, and it's nice to have that relationship. And you, you know, in talking with both of you, you can kind of tell the mutual respect that you have for one another. And I think coming from different backgrounds and having that much kind of admiration for each other is a, a really, really great thing. And, and, um, and I think that's reflected in the work that you do for a Toyota dealership. So uh, great work on that. One, the, the point of today and what we're doing, I guess the subject that we're talking about is culture in the shops. And it's, I, the cool part for me is that I get to talk to you and ask you kind of pick your brains a little bit about what you see in shops, what the, what the best shops have that maybe our audience can kind of learn from. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to create really good cultures for technicians and trying to make the, the work environments good for them. Talk to me a little bit about what you see in shops and in terms of shop culture in general. And Deacon, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you because you've been around a little bit longer, but have you seen maybe an evolution in shop culture and from the time that you were out in the shop working as, uh, as compared to right now? Um, yes, definitely. Uh, the biggest leap I've seen has been within probably the last 10 years with the, with the cultures in the shop because what we're, tr- what we're trying to do is to make sure that everybody knows that they that they are important. Every every job, every technician in the dealership is very important for what they do. And my goal is to make sure that to find out what's going on. Is there something that Toya can do to help out? Maybe sometimes um, talk to the dealerships about some of the practices and policies. Just get everybody pulling on the rope at the same direction. And uh, in the last couple of years, it, it's really nice to watch my stores grow as we take this uh, culture initiative, moving it forward. You know, everybody's important. We're all working on for the same goal. Uh, it just, it's just truly really amazing to watch how this has changed in the last 10 years. Yeah, it's cool. I think there's an evolution there. And I know Toyota uh, as a brand has been a leader in that regard. And I think that's a really, really cool thing. Uh, Shannon, Talk to us a little bit about how you coming in new three years ago, what did you learn about shop culture from the start? Or, you know, obviously not having the background in it prior to that, I'm guessing you learned some things as soon as you came in the door. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the first thing I learned was just turnover and how big of an issue that was in our industry. I mean, yeah. from the first I think continuously going back to my dealerships, you know, month over month and just always seeing new faces. And, um, you know, I, I know you're not a stranger to this, but I think dealership turnover is at an all time high. There was, you know, a Cox Automotive study that put overall the average dealer turnover is about 46% a year. And I think that's just a red flag to me because I just associated that to the cost of turnover. I mean, the, the productivity lost in the shop when, you're trying to fill that technician spot, it, it was kind of hard to, when, when a technician spot was open, it was harder to get dealerships or service managers to focus on other things, right? Because yeah. that it's hard to move forward when that is kind of a problem you're having. So that's why I think Deacon and I started working really closely on this problem because the technician turnover specifically is just something that I think we both approach differently. I have a corporate business type of mindset when I approach it and Deacon approaches it from his own experience 
plus the corporate experience. So we're able to have some good conversations around that. So I think when I first got into the industry, that was kind of the first thing I noticed when looking at the shops and the first thing I wanted to learn more about. That's interesting. And, and something that we talk about too, is it's not only turnover and losing them to the competition, but losing them from the industry altogether. Right. And that's creating kind of a, kind of a, a big concern from, from our end at Find a Wrench and Wrenchway and, and really where we want to provide educational content to our, uh, to not only our clients, but to the industry in general, because I think that's where once we start to understand that, that there, there is some type of a culture issue or that there's, there's something that we can improve there. And until we do, we're not going to start, we're not going to see that turnover get any better. Right. And I think that's, that's the cool part about having the two of you on today is that you're, you're doing something about this firsthand. And uh, I, I guess, Talk to me a little bit about how you're doing that and how you, you know, from, from taking maybe a, a shop that Deacon saw 20 years ago as to now, what do you do to change the culture or, and maybe not even necessarily change the culture, but enhance the culture? And Deacon, I'll, I'll maybe ask you about that a little bit. Well, uh, <laughs> you can't really change a culture unless everybody gets on board and wants to change the cultures, you know, step number one would be to have the dealership recognize that they have a culture issue and want to make a change. And what we do with that is we'll have these meetings with them and we'll actually have them draw out their own little plan and we support them. And what are you going to do? There's, there's no wrong answer as long as you're doing something to help improve the environment in that dealership, in that shop. That's great. So the, the, the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? Isn't that always I, how it I, goes? <laughs> yeah. I, but it's so true. And, and to understand that until you, until you realize that you've got a problem and that there's, it's not all peachy in the back. And I think a lot of times from a dealership management aspect, it's easy to sit in the front office and not really understand what's going on in the back until you hear something bad going on. Uh, Shannon, I think this is a good, good question for you, but what, what do you see there uh, in, in terms of what can we do to build on that, right? So we, we understand that we've got maybe a culture issue. What, what are some items that we can do to, to really enhance the, the culture in a dealership? Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I think the the main things that we kind of make sure every dealership is is focusing on would be timely performance feedback for every associate, um, not just your maybe your associates that have the most opportunity for improvement, but I think every associate should be receiving regular feedback to know so that they know quarterly, monthly where they stand. Um, I think especially on the technician side. Technicians usually um, see management come with a for a conversation when maybe there's an issue, but yeah. never really just for a pat on the back regularly. There's never a, hey, good job fixing that car. It's more what happened with this one. So that <laughs> consistent, regular feedback, I think, is, is something we make sure that everyone's doing. Um, another thing, which I know you're pretty passionate about, is just making sure to share opportunities for advancement in all positions. Um, and making sure you're 
the management in each store is, is actively talking to their associates about, hey, where do you see yourself in, you know, two years, five years, how can we help you get there? Because a lot of our more tenured technicians, I think, aren't, are, they're not having those conversations anymore. And I think that's when people get a little curious about what else is out there when they feel like they're not being approached with opportunities for, for advancement. And then a big fan of just, you know, recognizing your employees whenever it's possible and getting them involved with the goal setting for the dealership, because the more you involve your associates with goal setting, the more they'll have that, you know, emotional commitment to the goals that because they feel like they were a part of them. So those are kind of the, the bigger picture things that we try to talk to our, our stories about. Because most of the time when we come in, I think they want to talk about, you know, a car that's down, get Deacon's <laughs> eyes on that or, or kind of talk to me about this claim that maybe they're having trouble getting paid. And that's what we're here for also. But I think it's important that we can, we can do both. So how, how do you do that? Are you talking and working with a service manager and, and maybe coaching them on how, how to, you know, maybe a process to have that consistent feedback or just kind of talking about the importance of it? Uh, how in depth do you go in that conversation? I, I think it's usually however in depth the, the manager wants to get at the time. Um, most of the time, I mean, I, I work with phenomenal service managers who are people, people, you know, they, they, under, they understand why this is important. I think just we get very caught up in the 30 day cycles and the day to day cycles. And sometimes, you know, it was like today, all of a sudden I woke up and, you know, my October is pretty much booked, you know, so I think, I think life happens fast. And sometimes these things just get away from, from people when the shops are busy, the drive is full. And so it's kind of our job in, in these monthly meetings, just to sit down and kind of help them plan out as in, in detail as they want. We share a lot of good templates. Like I said, we share best practices to make sure they have all the resources they want um, and kind of go from there. That's, that's great stuff. I, I love that you guys are intentional about that, right? And that you have those conversations because I think there's so much room for improvement on the management side and the consistency side. And I'm, I'm one that's guilty of that myself, right? And like you said, life moves fast. And it, when it becomes a non-priority, it's easy to forget about. And then it's like, oh my gosh, we just ran up on a year. Uh, <laughs> we, we've got to do your review and we haven't given you great feedback this entire year. So I, I, um, I, it is, uh, I think that's a general management concern for everybody, uh, but having processes in place that are, are built around it so you can make it a priority and make it that, uh, I guess, Make, when you make it a priority that it actually gets done, right? Now, Deacon, what's the typical background of a, a service manager that you work with? And I know that's a very, very vague and loaded question. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, well, so, sometimes there's, uh, they got promoted from the service drive. Sometimes they're technicians. Some of the smaller stores will promote their head technicians to be um, a service manager. They should have good people skills. Um, it, I see it all across the board. For, mo for most of my stores, if I remember correctly, most of them were service writers before taking over the service manager role. Okay. So um, as for most of their backgrounds and, and how long they've been doing, I, I wouldn't be able to answer that question very well because I've only known them as a uh, service managers. Well, and I think the nice part, if they came from 
writing service is that maybe they have that sales aspect too and that customer relation aspect where um, I, you know, trying to provide a career path for a technician if they do want to go into a shop. Do you have any, do you have any advice for maybe a tech that has aspirations to, to uh, kind of move up and in, in into a manager's position? Yeah, uh, to be open with, with all the new stuff that's coming out there, to work on their people skills, to get, to get involved with some of the challenges that are in a shop instead of shying away from them. You know, all too often the um, excuse is, well, that's not my problem. I, I'm just here to fix my cars. And uh, that's where we got to get the focus on. It's like, yep, you're right. You are here to fix the car, but we're also here to help our customers and do whatever we can to, to keep our brand uh, in the forefront. So that, that's pretty much the advice I would give them is just to, just to sit there and, and take those challenges and get involved with some of those more difficult things. Even, even if you're not directly involved to find a way to get directly involved to, to grow your skills. Well, and from a, from a manager's perspective too, to, to paint the picture that there are opportunities and that, you know, if, if you're a tech and if you're a tech listening to this podcast, I, I think Deacon hit on a, a huge point right there, which is if, if you're wanting to grow and you want to progress and, and maybe get promoted, you need to work on some of those soft skills. And that's something that, you know, growing up in, in a shop isn't widely, I don't know, it's not, it's not prioritized from, uh, from a standpoint of a tech because they're so focused on getting that car fixed, right? Or getting whatever they're working on fixed. And you, you forget about that side a little bit and it becomes almost a one track mind I guess when 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 a tech is looking for opportunities to improve their soft skills, and Shannon or Deacon, I'll I'll open this to either of you. But do you see opportunities uh, out there for a, a technician to maybe clean up their their soft skills a little bit and take maybe take the blinders off a little bit and be able to to kind of grow? Uh, yes, yes, definitely. There, there's always opportunities out there. Uh, the biggest challenge is getting them to want to do that. Once once they make that decision to do that, uh, it's easier. It's easier at that time. That's one of the things that I constantly try to do is whenever we have a challenge, I try to get one of their their top techs involved and help and have them lead the charge on that to grow their skills. And that way, then maybe I would have to be in their leadership less, and that they can handle all that stuff in house by themselves. Yeah. And that, that yeah. helps everybody. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Shannon. Yeah, no, I, I just kind of think of um, myself and Deacon's dynamic and um, like Deacon definitely has a skill set that I do not have and the way, and, but I want. And so the way I tried to hone on that skill set is just to spend more time with Deacon. And so I think if, you know, if a technician wants to learn more about the selling piece, Maybe, you know, find a, an advisor or someone else in your the fixed ops department that, you know, you get along with and maybe you, you know, they're a rock star and just start trying to work with them in your free time, get to know them, take their brain on kind of what makes them successful. I think, you know, fixed ops, we're all on the same team here. We just do different functions and it's important to make sure you don't silo yourself off just in your own, maybe in your department, uh, making sure that you're bridging that gap. And the best way to learn, I think, is definitely from each other. So that would be my advice. And I think that's great advice, Shannon, because that I, I think 
with the mentorship that we talk about a lot in shops, uh, there's, I, I always use the example that I, I went into a dealership once and, uh, and they talked about how they had a, a great mentorship program. And so they told me the individuals, they told me the mentee and the mentor. And I went to the mentor and I said, Hey, how are things going with, uh, with your mentee and, and, and who you're uh, mentoring? And he said, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> so I, they, they crowned that mentor, but uh, it really failed on the execution side where if, if from a technician standpoint, if you're seeking out somebody that you respect or that's well-respected in the shop, does a really, really good job and you, you get along with personally, I think that's a great point, Shannon, because you have to, in order to learn from somebody, you kind of have to like them, right? Like it, it's, it's hard to work with somebody that might have a different personality or different uh, mindset than you do. So I, I think picking a mentor or uh, somebody that you look up to, uh, to be able to pick their brain on, on things is a, a huge advantage. So uh, I, that's, a, that's a great bit of advice there. Talk to me a little bit about a great shop culture, right? And, and I, I'm sure that you've seen kind of a, a wide variety of uh, great shop cultures as compared to maybe not so great shop cultures. Shannon, when you, when you came into this business, did you see a, a variety or were they all kind of the same? Yeah, I would say, especially I think the size of a de the stores can, can change that and it, it can make it harder to kind of analyze right off the bat. But in terms of, I think, a, a good shop culture, I think one thing that I think is just is, is everyone kind of accountable for their their own responsibilities, right? Um, is There's no finger pointing, like Deacon said, I'm just kind of, I'm here to fix my cars. I don't care what's happening in the bay next to me. It, once you get people all working together for that common goal, I think uh, that is what would set a dealership apart. And making sure that those goals are not just, or I guess not always tied to do the dollar signs, right? making sure that the customer experience and reminding everyone that the customer is why we do this, I think is important too. But, um, and that's why we always recommend just associates being involved in the goal setting process and making sure everyone knows them. Because I think a shop where everyone knows for, you know, for the month of September, our goals are X, Y, Z, you're more likely to hit those goals if everyone is on the same page. So where, where does good culture start at? Well, I think it, it's got to start at the top. I mean, and, and that comes from just the kind of servant leadership that I think we try to promote. Um, we try to make sure our service, our, our managers understand that they're, they are the ones setting the tone and the communication comes from them on making sure their associates are empowered, that they're listening, that there's two-way communication. And like I said, we work with some phenomenal managers. And I think all of them know that all those things are important. Just sometimes I think we get so caught up in the day to day that that, that doesn't always make the number one priority for each day. So kind of re reaffirming that that is important. That's, that's great stuff. And Deacon, do you, have you seen a change from maybe a, the view of fixed ops from the ownership's perspective? Because I think common practice in a dealership is to have, uh, you know, maybe a sales driven person as the owner. Uh, one, do you see kind of that? And then two, do you see uh, maybe a shift in, in 
how ownership views a fixed ops department. Uh, yes, yes, definitely. Everybody knows that when you're happy doing what you do, you're just going to be a better person. Things are going to flow easier. You don't get as upset about things when, when it's not quite going right. Uh, yeah, I agree to the fact that most of our general managers or dealer principals may be on the sales-driven side, and it's nice to be able to talk to them, like Shannon said, to go in there with the culture piece to start talking to them about that, seeing seeing their eyes light up when they start realizing, you know, this isn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, and they, it just takes a little bit of time every day. Some some of those great general managers and, and um, dealer principals that walk through their shops every day, that know their technicians by name, those guys will do anything that is required of them, whether it's going to be fixing a car or helping out with something up front or um, just talking to a customer about a, a potential uh, purchase that they're looking at. But yeah, that culture just starts right up there. And when you when you have a general manager that totally buys into that program, it's just truly amazing to watch a transformation go throughout that dealership. Well, and I think what what a lot of dealer principals and general managers have have done a really good job at of lately is changing the perception that it, you know it it used to be that the service department was a just kind of a cost of doing business or it was a you know a <laughs> you had to do service work in order to sell the cars right and I think once once dealers started to see that there is profitability and that there is a, that it's a really, really good business. The service business is a really, really good business. They started to open their eyes to it and become a little bit more open to learning more about it, even though it's my, it's maybe not as sexy as the sales end. It's still a really, really good business. And, uh, you know, as, as dealerships look for ways to improve profitability and, and as, you know, as the, techs might command more salary or more benefits or, you know, there's, you look at some of the Toyota dealerships we work with and supplying tools, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think that's maybe where I've seen a shift in how, how a, a dealer principal might view the fixed ops department. Am I, am I off base there, Deacon? No, you're spot on. Yeah. I, I think that's, um, <laughs> it was, it's been a big change even in my, my time in the business, you know, just seeing as a necessary evil to actually go and, and uh, make it a, a really good uh, profit center. Shannon, let me ask you this then. How, how do you see that? I mean, are you seeing, if you're, if you're handling maybe more of the, the business side or, you know, whatever that relationship is with a toy, with a, with a dealership, do you see a shift in, in maybe the viewpoint of what fixed ops means to a dealership? Yeah, I think another piece of it is one, the profit center, but also the, the kind of retention that comes from a good fixer operations department. Because I mean, sales can, the sales department will sell the car, but the, the fixed operation side, I mean, we keep the customer coming back and to hopefully, mm -hmm. hopefully purchase their next vehicle with us. So, your service advisors are having more touch points with your, with your customer than your sales consultants are. So we really push home just the, that service is the retention key metric that we look at. We look at, you know, when we sell a vehicle, how many times are they coming back for service and consistently and how are those appointments going um, and making sure that the customers are, are satisfied with, as satisfied when they leave the service department as they do the sales side, because that's how, 
we keep Toyota customers our Toyota customers. And, and how, do, how do you do that, right? Like, how do you, uh, when, when you convey that message and you're talking about, you're talking about how important the service department is or the, even the parts department is for uh, customer retention, how do you get that to land home with a tech? Uh, how do you get that to really sink in with a service manager that, and maybe a service manager knows more or a service advisor knows more because they're customer facing more. Uh, but how do you get that to land home with a tech without you, without them maybe rolling their eyes, right? Well, I think that that kind of circles back to what we were saying before of just we need goals for the entire department. And I think it, I think a lot of times it's not that technicians, you know, don't care. It's just maybe they aren't consistently, it's not consistently explained to them. And that maybe wow. the service managers share one type of, you know, reporting and conversation with the advisors. Hey, here's how our CSI, our CSI scores are for the month. And then with the technicians, they're having a different conversation about, you know, shop put through or something like that. But if both pieces hear those conversations, they're directly linked. I mean, if, if the shop put throughs down, maybe CSI would also be down. There, there's correlations amongst the two functions. And I think successful service managers, service managers are the ones that bridge that gap and make sure the, the connections are made for all associates on, on how each, each job function helps the other one. And so I don't think it, it's mutually exclusive. That's a great, great point. And do you, let me ask you this then, do you feel like techs fully grasp CSI? That, that's a great question. I think they're probably told the scores a lot, <laughs> but right, um, right. It, it's, it's all about how it's communicated. I mean, if you tell them that, you know, that we got this many stars this month, I mean, that, that information isn't, isn't usable for them. But if a, right. if a service manager sits down and says, you know, this customer rated us this because of our average, um, the average time they waited, and let's try to dig into maybe some bottlenecks we have in the service flow, that is uh, just a more productive conversation that, and then the technician has a, a perspective on the situation that the advisor didn't, hey, you know, back in the shop, this is what I saw happen with this vehicle. So I think just more, more hands in those conversations would help all parties. Well, and what I love about that is you're bringing the tech into the solution side then, right? You're not just forcing it down their throat that you, we've got to improve our CSI score. We've got to improve, improve, improve. And they're like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing my job. <laughs> Whereas if you, yep. if you say, okay, here's, here's the issue that we're having. Let's talk through this a little bit. Why are we having this issue? And, and really bring them into the solution piece of it of, you know, how do, how do we make this better? How do we make this one aspect of our business better? And I think when managers open their minds to that, they'd be shocked at what, what techs have to tell them. And, and really when they bring them in and in, into that decision-making process and, and not even just to say, Hey, yeah, we're just going to do everything that you say, but more so here's some of the issues that we have. Help me, help me figure out a better way to do this. And, and I don't know if that happens enough to be quite frank, where, where a, a, a manager and it, it again probably stems from the fact that they're just so busy all the time that they don't have those intentional meetings to say, okay, here's, here's where we're sitting at guys. Like what, what, do we, what do we do to, uh, to improve on this and, and then really listen for the feedback, not just, not just uh, pay it lip service, but really actually dive into things. I think that's a great point, Shannon. 
Yeah, and I think you hit it again. It's it's the time thing. <laughs> I think, I mean, what we're saying is not, you know, an original thought. It's not groundbreaking. It's just kind of reinforcing that taking the time to do it um, when life is happening so so quickly nowadays. Um, I think that's, that's going to be the, the challenge, but also would have the best opportunity for everyone to get more engaged with what they're doing. Deacon, do you, do you see that side uh, maybe in dealing with the technicians where they might not get the full explanation of, of, and it might not just even be CSI, but something else where they're not, the message is filtered before it gets back to them? Oh, yes, I definitely, I see it all the time. And the, the service managers that take the time out to, to sit them down and explain everything to them to where they fully understand it. Uh, it, it's just it's just been great. Some of the shops I'm thinking about right now that actually do that, you can definitely tell the culture in that shop is different. They're all pulling and they're all pulling in the same direction. I used that once already today, but they're all pulling in the same yeah. direction. They just it's you know it's 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 just amazing to watch how that happens, and it, I am truly blessed to be a part of that process when it comes time to do that. Sometimes sometimes the liaison is, can you please explain what the service manager is trying to tell me. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit and I'll go back to the service manager. I'll give feedback on stuff like that. It's like, Hey guys, a little having a little bit of an issue, you know, we're trying to understand exactly what's going on. You know, how can we, how can we make this a little bit better for them to understand it? And then once, once they all get the understanding on it, I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. I, and I think that even at a core level of that, it takes quality people to get there, right? Uh, to have everybody rowing in the same direction and and really that cultural fit. Uh, Shannon, maybe talk to me a little bit about that part of it, right? That the quality of people that you bring in and the importance of that. Yeah, I, I think people are are everything nowadays, especially I hate to use the M word, but I am a millennial. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Or not to speak on behalf of all of us, but um, I think that, like you said, the culture is kind of, it's more important, it's very important to millennials. Um, There's actually a Forbes study and 95% of millennials said culture fit is as important as compensation. And wow. so, you know, we spend so much time at work. And so making sure that you're spending time with, you know, people who have similar goals as you, who are all moving in the same direction as Deacon said, I think that that's more motivating and you'll get more out of each associate than you would if there was some internal differences that, you know, maybe separated the way we do things. And I think some stories that kind of take that to the next level, I know we're talking a lot about kind of sharing information within fixed operations, but just seeing some dealerships really focus on making sure that the sales department knows how the service department's doing and the service department knows how the sales department's doing those stores have such a unified customer experience where if a customer walks in, a sales consultant, you know, isn't scared to say, let me take you to the service drive because maybe they know where it is. <laughs> so I think that <laughs> the, the more that you can promote um, kind of a, a one dealership mentality of everyone's on the same team, that will lead to a better customer experience. And that, that all starts with your people and making sure that they are have an emotional commitment to the goals of the entire organization, not just their department. It's funny that you brought up the generational thing, right? Because I think in shops, that's probably emphasized more than anywhere. Uh, the differences between maybe what a baby boomer looks at or a Gen Xer or a millennial, whoever it is, uh, 
do you do either of you see the gaps there and and how do you how do you bridge those gaps where you're you're trying to get them to speak the same language and there there really is uh, a lot of challenges there are a lot of challenges that come along with different aged people in a shop do you is do you have any advice for shops on how they handle that that kind of uh, the difference in age and and trying to as deacon said get everybody kind of rowing in the same direction do you do you have any advice for shops in that regard i think that again on behalf of the millennials i think that one thing <laughs> that i've noticed is that um like I can have the same goal as someone maybe from another generation and we will both get there. It just, we might, it might look different how we get there, right? I might need to have my own process that, that looks a little different than maybe the direct approach of some other, some other associates. And so I think coming from, trying to come, trying to come from a place of understanding and listening and know that it, if, if someone, work, if you're working with someone, it's likely you have the same goals it just might look different what, the way they try to get there and um, kind of being respectful and understanding of that and, and communication, you know, I think if you're not asking questions to someone from another generation, you're not learning at all about how they're approaching problems. And so mm. it, from the outside, it may just look like they're, you know, dawdling away or, or not doing it the way you would have done it, but it, you could learn something along the way. Well, the understanding piece is so huge <laughs> and really, really understanding that not everybody's the same as you and that different approaches are okay uh, is is sometimes hard to grasp, but it, it's so important. And it, Deacon, do you, I mean, do you kind of maybe add on to what Shannon said there? Uh, what are your thoughts on that kind of the generational gap in shops? Uh, I, <laughs> it's funny. I do, I do see the big gap in the shops and it, it seems to be, there's no middle ground sometimes there's nobody in the yeah. middle there and you know how, how do I approach it is you know coaching and mentoring you know when I'm talking everybody likes to share stories about you know what this guy did and what that guy did for a good laugh but I always flip it around and said well why don't we go over there and help that guy out why don't we help direct him why don't we take him underneath your wing why don't you move next to him and and, and help this help this this technician out and the other side I, I would go down to, to the other side of things like, hey, why don't you walk over and ask them? That's what they're here for. They got all this knowledge. I'm sure they'd be more than willing to share it with them. And then yeah, something, yeah. you know, it's, it's it, to Shannon, there's a lot of Shannon's points there that it's exactly, you know, what we're, what we're dealing with is, is all these processes and into implementation of things, changing the culture, bringing, um, he said, just trying to bridge that gap, just trying to bridge that gap. Because a lot of these guys, uh, the older generations will look down and, and not look down, but look at them as like they're like they see their children. And sometimes you look at some of these younger texts, and I look, and I was like, oh, he just reminds me so much of of my of my parents. And sometimes <laughs> there, there's that unconscious bias that's there, and it's like, no, guys, you know, we can all we can all do this. You know, so yeah, just coaching and mentoring is the biggest parts. Yeah, and and the approachability from both sides. You know, I think kind of adding on to. What both of you said there, the whether you're a baby boomer, a millennial, or anything in between, that you you have to be approachable uh, to the other side. And I uh, I use a story of a guy when I first got into the workforce who was a tech, and he'd always stay kind of by his toolbox, and he wouldn't he wouldn't smile or even like he wouldn't wave at me, and me being kind of an obnoxious young person would go to like, I would just keep getting further and further away and, and trying to make him laugh. 
And finally, like one day he just cracked and I'm still friends with him to this day. And that was probably, you know, 15 years ago. Right. And it just took awesome. him kind of letting his guard down. So like then to, to be open to it. And I don't know that that happens with everybody, right. That, that, that guard ever gets let down. And I think for culture in a shop to really kind of blossom, I think that's such an important piece that, that people are open to working with each other and helping each other. And, you know, in the, in the days of flat rate, like we are in, in a lot of cases, you, you become really individualized. And I think it takes away maybe an element of that, that team approach. And I think you're starting to see maybe some pay plans that change a little bit because of that. But I, to me, it's such a big, big issue and something that both sides or, and, and I shouldn't even say sides, cause it's not like uh, we're, we're putting people against each other, but more so anybody that's in a shop, if you're approachable and can at least have the, you know, that common goal that Shannon talks about constantly have that in mind and that you're all one team and you're working for the same purpose. Hopefully we can make some headway with some of these shops. So I don't know anything else to add when it comes to shop culture. I mean, to me, that was such a huge point that you guys hit on. And I, I absolutely love your approach to it. Uh, is there any other, I guess, aspects to, to this that we're, we're missing that uh, maybe a, a shop could improve on or that we might have aspirations for in the future? One thing that I would add is, is anything that you start doing, maybe it's a process change, um, whether it's, you know, some feedback or anything like that, just make sure it's consistent because especially just from a management perspective, I mean, you could, you could start an awesome program, have a great round of quarterly check-ins with some associates, but if the next quarter rolls around and it's not on your radar anymore, you're kind of hurting more than you're helping mm -hmm. because if you're, if you're telling your associates, it's really important I get your feedback and I give you feedback once a quarter and then it doesn't happen again, it drops off. I think that, you know, it, it kind of loses that the credibility with what you're, you're saying. So anything wow. that you're starting, I would just, you know, keep on top of it and make it a goal for yourself as, as a manager. Or, you know, if you start a mentorship with a certain person in your dealership, make sure that's consistent because that's the biggest way you can grow and earn that credibility to make sure it's, it's actually worth your time. That's a great point. I, I've seen that multiple times or just all the time, actually, where uh, you'll set a goal or a, a manager will set a goal with an employee. And then that's the last time they talk about it. <laughs> and that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't help anybody. Deacon, I, I, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, Shannon stole my thunder on that one. It, <laughs> I was going to say just a little bit shorter, just stick with your process and make sure you stay consistent with it. <laughs> and that's, I, you know, the, the cool part about, this podcast and, and just getting to know the both of you is, I don't know, I think it's really cool the relationship that you two have and how you kind of represent one another when you go into a dealership and you're, you're you know, you really respect one another. And hopefully we can kind of see that in, in shops as well, right? Where uh, maybe that more experienced tech will take that less experienced person under their wing and help them out and and really take pride in growing somebody and and seeing the evolution in a shop. So I, uh, I thank you guys for being on the podcast today. This was uh, amazing. I really, I, I was taking notes again and learning. I, I think every podcast I do, I'm always learning something here. So 
I, uh, I really appreciate uh, both of you taking the time out of your days to, uh, to be on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much for having us. And Shannon, we got the, uh, with the bucket list is now checked for the podcast, right? Checked off. I am a podcast junkie in, uh, in all of my drive time out in the field. So to finally be on one, I, I probably won't listen to this in my car because that would be a kind of freaky experience. But yeah, definitely checked off the bucket list. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Deacon. Uh, I appreciate everything that you guys are doing out there in dealerships and and uh, helping make the, the culture of dealerships better. Oh, you're welcome, Jay. Thanks, Jeff.